Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. The ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Tyrone Holmes, former sixth-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, also the 2015 Stats FCS National Defensive Player of the Year from the University of Montana. Tyrone, thanks so much for taking the time out and being with us this afternoon. How are you doing, man? Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing really well. Well, we're we're very happy to have you in here, and uh, and and this is an exciting time of year. Certainly, when you talk about the national championship game, but all the awards that go with it, and we got plenty of stuff to cover. But we want to start kind of in the present moment when you talk about uh, Dante Olson, who's obviously been a phenomenal linebacker at the University of Montana for his career, having an experience this weekend that you had you know four or five years ago going down to frisco texas to collect this award but what do you remember about that where you know you you have the phenomenal year 18 sacks and you you know you're nominated and you're a finalist and now you're flying down to texas to to be a finalist but you don't know what's going to happen right until until they make the announcement right exactly um yeah i don't know i just remember it being uh kind of a whirlwind experience i had already started training uh, for my pro day in uh, the Bay Area. So, honestly, the, the award ceremony wasn't really too much on my mind. I was thinking about training and the upcoming uh, East-West Shrine game. In fact, I, had, I hadn't thought about it so much that, like, whatever I got, I didn't think about the fact that I would have to give a speech if I won until I was already on <laughs> stage. Like, it, it was incredible. Like, I, I was like, oh, shoot, like, I have to say something now. Like, everyone else had, like, their paper written out, and I was like, oh, shoot, this is, this is not good. When so. you did win it, though, what, what what's the feeling that washes over you? Because, I mean, you guys put in so much work, and then to know that you are recognized as the best of the best. And it also comes with some intrigue, right? Because not only did you not know you were going to win the award, but 
as has become somewhat customary in the Big Sky. I don't really know why this is, but a lot of guys that have won this award out of the Big Sky weren't the Big Sky defensive MVP, even though they ended up winning the National Defensive Player of the Year. So when you first won the award, what was the experience like? What did you, what was that feeling like? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was pretty emotional for me. I mean, I really didn't expect to win it because I didn't win uh, the Conference Defensive Player of the Year that year. Um I don't know, it was a pretty emotional experience just thinking about all the people that had helped me get there from my position coach, my parents, uh, high school coaches. It was just, you know, the culmination of, of a lot of hard work. And then, you know, you just <clears throat> to get that validation from, you know, some outside sources was was uh, was pretty cool. So uh, and it was a nice, nice break in in between uh, training for for uh, the upcoming pro day and everything. And that year. The Big Sky Conference, so well represented. The three finalists were all from the Big Sky Conference. Patrick Onwasser, who was from Portland State, who now plays for the Baltimore Ravens. James Kowser from Southern Utah, who went on uh, to play the last half, handful of years for the, uh, the Oakland Raiders. So did you get to know those guys during the, that time? And then, that must, if so, that must have been cool for you guys to then all three go to the NFL as well. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I had met uh, James up at the uh, Big Sky Media Day, and then... You know, obviously competing with him on the stats, so we had, we kind of knew each other pretty well, and it was cool to go up there. And there were so many big sky coaches and players. You know, uh, the quarterback Jake Cookus, I think it was his name. He um, mm-hmm. was up for freshman freshman player of the year, so he was there. So it was cool. Like, and then I I coming out of high school, I was recruited by Portland State, so to see all those coaches again and kind of have everything come full circle was was a cool experience. Now, now, remind me, at the Big Sky kickoff in the golf tournament, were you on Kowser's team? Uh, no, I wasn't, no. Okay, because okay, all I remember about that Big Sky kickoff is two things. One, there was some serious sandbagging going on because James Kowser's team won, but I also remember that this dude hit, like, two mini-golf-style 60-foot putts, and these guys are turning <laughs> in, these guys are turning in a scorecard that says negative 18. I'm like, get out of here. You guys are killing me right now. <laughs> Well, I know I know his golf game was uh, about ten times better than mine. I, 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 hit, maybe, I hit maybe two balls that whole day. So. Tyron <laughs> Holmes. Tyron Holmes joining us. He's the uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the FCS in 2015 and went on uh, to the NFL and uh, and was around the NFL with a number of teams uh, before retiring here just recently. But I, I wonder this, uh, Tyrone. We've talked to so many people that played for or were with Bobby Houck when he was at the University of Montana the first time. But not that many people who weren't and and then are not playing, obviously, for him now. But I, I know that you've been playing and doing your thing professionally. Have you had a chance to, like, follow the University of Montana and sort of the process of the last couple of years of Bobby Houck taking over uh, for Bob Sidden and what that has been like? Is that something that's that you, you've been able to kind of keep a peek at at all? Yeah, I mean, I follow the program pretty closely. I mean, obviously, I invested a lot of time in, into it. And, uh, you know, I think my heart is still uh, connected to the program. And I feel like I'll always consider myself a Grizz. So it's cool to follow it and to see them have success. And, you know, I wasn't able to play for Bobby, but I've been able to meet him since I've been uh, out of the program. And, I mean, obviously, it seems like the, the program is going in the right direction. And he's uh, got everything on track. So. And when you watch Dante Olson, I mean, for a guy, you know, he plays a different position than the one that you play, but obviously the, the, the numbers are pretty gaudy. But when you watch him play, what do you see out of him? 
Man, I love I love watching Dante play. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I I think the the thing that jumps out at you is just his tenacity to get to the ball, and uh, I love I love seeing that in guys. And I think that's like what I try to uh, like value the most of myself is just that you just want to get to the ball, and you're going to give out max effort, and that's what he does. That he he's in on almost every play. It's incredible. No matter if he's on the other side of the field, he'll chase it down. So it's cool to see guys that just play with like such royalist passion and intensity, and I think that's what jumps out the most from uh, from Dante. Pretty cool that the last two guys from the Grizz that are that have been up for this prestigious award have been natives of Oregon. The, the Grizz just got a commitment from a quarterback from Granite Lakes, Oregon, yesterday. Grants Pass, I think. Grants Pass, yeah, excuse yeah. me, uh, yesterday. But we were talking, it, it's so interesting because obviously we know everybody ar- around Montana knows the narrative of how sort of underrated Montana high school recruits are, and that's why the Grizz and the Cats have been able to be so competitive because they get in-state guys. But to me, by and large, Oregon has been sort of like that, too. The guys that are in Portland seem to get a lot of love, but guys that aren't necessarily in the city sort of go under-recruited. What do you remember about... Yeah. Getting, I mean, what do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, preach it now, let's, Coulter. Let's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you obviously agree, yeah, but why do you think that is? Don't get me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me too fired up. No, um, no it's, a, it's a thing. And I want to make the distinction of these are Southern Oregon boys, too. You know, mm-hmm. Grant's Pass, uh, Medford, Eagle Point, these are all, you know, very... It's a you know, community probably about the same size as Missoula, but... um. No, it's cool. I think it doesn't get recruited because it's not easy to get to. You know, coaches can go to L.A. and hit 20 schools in a day, whereas if you go to, you know, Southern Oregon, you're driving, you're not. It's just nearly not as economical, and so it gets overlooked a lot. And then when coaches are watching film, it's hard for them to gauge the the level of play, whereas if you're watching, you know, the 6A California schools, you know what the kind of level that they're competing at, so they – a little bit leery in uh, recruiting guys from Southern Oregon or, you know, even Montana. So uh, I think that's ma- mainly the reason. But, yeah, it's super cool to see, you know, not very many guys get recruited to college out of where we're from in Southern Oregon. And to see Dante have the success is, is really cool. And then to see the kid commit uh, from uh, Grants Pass yesterday was, was pretty pretty exciting for me as well. When when you were getting recruited by the Grizz, did you know anything about Montana football before they started recruiting you? Um, yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, you kind of going through the recruiting process. I, I just made a list of every school that was on the West Coast, basically, and uh, I knew some guys that had went to camp there or had been recruited there, and so it was on my radar. Um, you know, obviously, every kid growing up in Oregon, you want to go to Oregon or Oregon State. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was definitely on my radar, and uh, I didn't think they were interested because I had never heard anything from from them until, like, two weeks before signing day. So it really wasn't somewhere I was thinking about going until, uh, until like, pretty much the day I was, I was ready to sign. So. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. 
At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Tyrone Holmes joining us is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And Tyrone, it's so interesting because you go through the, the, the process of making a list and you play in high school and do the whole thing. You go, okay, I really want to play in college. And I remember talking to you after you graduated the University of Montana when you were working out, when you were in California getting ready for pro day and getting ready for the draft and all that. And I asked you, like, you know, how hard is this? What you know? What how, what's it like to go through? And you seem to be having the absolute time of your life, just working out, like just getting ready to do football full time. Where did that that love of of the game and of of what most would consider the hard or the toughness part of it that you seem to really thrive on and enjoy? Where did that come from? I have I have no idea. I think uh, you know it's a culmination of where you know the environment I was brought up in, uh, my parents. Some of it's probably uh, intrinsic. <laughs> I just uh, I love the process. I mean, I might even like I like that more more than anything. Like I loved just going in the gym. I loved hanging out with the guys. I loved just the atmosphere of working and feeling like you're being productive and moving towards a goal. I just I loved all of that uh, in regards to football. And yeah, it's it's an exciting time whenever you're going through that uh, that uh, training process. You know, it's the first time where you can solely just focus on football. You don't have all this school garbage to deal with. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> See, now the truth comes out, people. You know, now he's got nobody to answer to, so we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you, yeah, you don't have class. You don't have, you know, you're just solely focused on football and becoming the best football player that you can be. And I think that's a really exciting time, you know, you just, Going to the drink, going to the gym, doing a recovery, and you're able to make such big strides in a short amount of time because it's all you're thinking about all day long. So I think that was exciting for me, and I've, what I've really enjoyed about being a professional po- football player over the last four years. So, yeah. The, the My project this last week or so uh, to start off 2020 was putting together all-decade teams for both Montana State and Montana, and you landed on the all-decade team, obviously, for the Grizzlies. But it was interesting to me when I was writing, especially the defensive side of the ball for Montana, the best players this decade, every guy, the synopsis of their careers, it was so much longer than anybody else's because not only did all so many of you guys not only were multiple-year starters and multiple-year standouts, multiple-time All-Americans, but also then went on to play after college as well. And so you yourself played alongside so many guys that got a shot at the next level, whether it was in the CFL or the NFL. Why do you think that is? I mean, what do you remember about going through it with guys like Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp and J.P. Conningata and Zach Wagaman? And what about the culture at that time helped all of you guys go from the FCS then on to the NFL? Um, I don't know. I think we were just very fortunate. I mean, I was, I was very fortunate to come in where there was a precedent of how you're supposed to work, how you're supposed to carry yourself, the things that you're supposed to do. Um, and when you're coming in to college, you don't know anything else. You know, you're just, I mean, my whole thing was I want to be successful 
I want to be as successful as these guys, so I'm going to do everything that they do, you know. And when Jordan Tripp was staying three hours extra after practice watching film, I was right there with him, you know. So I didn't – I think it was just kind of the culture and how everybody – I mean, that was the only way we knew how to work. So I think when that's just your culture, it's easier for things to fall in line like that. And I just got myself very blessed to have uh, been surrounded by so many guys, you know, like Zach and Brock and JP and guys that were really hard workers. Uh, obviously very successful in playing the game of football, and uh, yeah. Your time as a Grizz was, had had some highs as a team, but also it was a very tumultuous time at the University of Montana. I mean, that, that transition from that 2011 semifinal run then to all the stuff that went down on campus and the NCAA coming to town, the, the regulations, the scholarship penalties, all that stuff. But you guys were able to, to stem the tide and still you know, be playoff contenders and things like that. But from a player perspective, what was that time like going through? I mean, you go from Robin Flugrad to Mick Delaney to Bob Stitt, multiple coaches, all sorts of transition going on in the administrative level. So from a player perspective, what was it like to navigate that time with the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, starting with... Uh getting recruited, they go to the semifinals, and then a couple of weeks later, coach gets fired, and, you know, so it's kind of a, it was a kind of a crazy time, you know, with a lot of uncertainty. Uh, I was fortunate on my part that I had the same position coach and Coach Leggy, that he recruited me, and then he stayed through my whole time there. So I think that continuity for me helped a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think, everybody had to be kind of adaptive and you know whenever a coaching change happens you have to learn the new system and uh yeah i think it was it was a challenge but uh uh i'm, I'm proud of the work that everyone put in and getting the program back on track well you mentioned coach leggy and and there was also some continuity with ty gregorak being around too so i mean those two guys specifically how much do you think those guys helped you and the rest of your teammates especially with some of the success you guys had as grizz but then after your time in montana as well yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Uh, to have both Ty and Lakey stick there for my whole time there was was huge for me. And that I was getting the same, like, in terms of football, and they were teaching me the same things year after year. I wasn't getting a bunch of different uh, coaching points that were co- contradicting each other or anything. So for me, it was, it was big. And, uh, you know, even dealing with off-the-field issues, it was, you know, to have those relationships in place, was was big for me. Mick Delaney, one of our all-time favorites. He's been on the show a number of times, and obviously, you know, just just such a such a, a grandfather figure, but such an outgoing and, and and fun guy. But to play for him, he's a real you know butte football guy. And then to go from him to Bob Sit, two very different characters. What was the what was the biggest transition for you in playing your senior year under under Bob Sit, the new coach? Um, yeah, it was, it was an adjustment for sure. It was just, you know, you, you deal with different personalities and coaching, you know, I've now, I don't know how many teams I've been on, but I've played for a lot of coaches Six, and, <laughs> and you kind of just, uh, you kind of realize that it's just part of the game. And, you know, I was, I'm fortunate that with my parents, uh, you know, kind of teaching me how, how the world works, like, you know, you're going to go through boss changes and working with different people and for different people and um and so i just try to like take everything as like a lesson and and work through it and 
I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult, and that uh, coach did. You know, he wanted to make this program successful, and he worked hard. And I think we were all on that same same mission and goal. So, uh, you know, going into my senior, we didn't have the success that we wanted to, but I, it was a positive experience overall. Tyrone Holmes joining us, the CESPN Roundtable. He's a uh, 2015 FCS Stats Defensive Player of the Year, uh, and that uh, happened on this very weekend, forthcoming in Frisco, Texas, uh, surrounding the FCS National Championship game. And then, Tyrone, I just want to ask you this just broadly about your time playing professional football. You're on five different teams in the NFL, also played for the San Antonio Commanders of the AAF uh, for, the se- for that season. What do you have a memory or a, a moment when you were there, you know, playing on a team or you know on a practice squad or whatever it might have been, where you were like, "Wow, this is this is this is cool." I am a professional football player doing. Was it the moment that you stepped to your first camp, or was did somebody come up and talk to you? What was what was something that happened where that sort of set into you, or did it at any point? Yeah, I mean, quickly, I think there's just like there was a couple there's a couple moments that come to mind and. I mean, one that sticks out is probably my rookie year. We were playing on Thursday night versus Baltimore, and it was just an incredible atmosphere. And you know, they had some crazy fans, and it was just really—it was just a really cool moment. I just remember uh, it was getting close to halftime, and the the crowd was just loud and just looking around and just taking it all in. And that was a pretty cool experience. And then uh, another moment was. Uh, I don't, just like uh, playing Tom Brady uh, in the Patriots, and uh, that was a pretty surreal moment. You know, I just remember lining up, and on that particular coverage, I had to like uh, kind of cover Gronk, and it was just like a, it was just like a dang, like you're you're really you're really in the NFL right now, you know. Luckily, 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 he looked away from him and didn't throw that way. But yeah. hey, you did your job. He was covered up, man. That's why he knew he's not getting it in there. That's what's going on there, no doubt. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's probably those two moments. But what's the craziest part about the NFL? The craziest part? Yeah. Um, I think the craziest part is, and probably just the the immense. Uh, pressure and stress to be to succeed and to uh, to perform every day. I don't think people realize how much pressure NFL players are under on a day to day basis. You know, it's not just the games. You gotta you gotta go in day out day in, day out and you know, it really starts in OTAs when you're trying to make the team and then every day you're basically interviewing every single day till September. And then once you're on the team you're really not on the team you're on the team but it's very conditional. It's a day to day thing so every day you're going out there to prove yourself and I think that's the toughest part is just every single day you're going to prove yourself and you're going to basically interview for your job and your right to stay there and be on the team and I think that's probably the most challenging part of playing professional football. Man, I'm so glad you said that. That's what people don't understand about radio, too, Tyrone. <laughs> I mean, every day I come in here, it's just sweat, sweating, you know, profusely about the whole thing. Hey, man, uh, last thing for you here, and I know you, you, you just recently officially retired, and congratulations to you on that. And I'm wondering what, what, what awaits you? What I mean, it's so interesting because professional football players, you know, even the guys who play the longest time that you could play are incredibly young human beings at the time that they're done playing and you got a whole you know the, the whole life out in front of you but you've been sort of singularly devoted to this one thing and it's always interesting to me that transition of what you do next and and are you just kind of 
let it decompress for a while and then go on from there? What, how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone probably has their own their own way of dealing with it. I mean, I was pretty conscious while I was playing that I needed to uh, make sure I was a well-rounded person and not uh, too heavily reliant on football. Um, so, you know, I think the transition for me hasn't been, been too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm taking things in stride. I'm, I'm not trying to rush into anything. I think some guys, you know, they are done with football in the next week. They're, you know, right into the next job. I think for me, I was, knew it was important for like mental and physical health to take some time to myself and figure out what I want to do next. And so that's kind of in the, in the period that I'm in right now, just trying to figure out what, what I'm interested in, what's next for me. And, uh, I'm not in a hurry, but I'm excited to, to see what's next. Yeah. Well, Tyrone, we certainly appreciate you taking the time here and being with us. It's it's awesome of you to do it. I love watching you play football and all the years that you did it. You, you're you uh, a, a blast, an absolute uh, treat to do it. So we, we appreciate that and the best to you in whatever is next. And take your time with it, right? No reason to rush in. So we, we wish you the best in all of that from here on out, okay? Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Tyrone Holmes, sir. Paradise Falls ESPN Roundtable guy who uh, was was impressive. It's so interesting, Colter. We talk about this all the time, don't we? With fit, and he, I mean, he was he was he was one. Of, he was right, you know, one of the best players. He was the best defensive player in the country at the FCS level, with a couple other guys who found roles that in places that worked for them specifically. And Tyrone, he found his role in a couple of places and then went to a couple different places and kept working, kept working, kept hitting. He's a professional football player for four years. I mean, that's, again, I mean, that's longer than the, quote, average career, you know, in the NFL. And it's so interesting to see how guys plug in, where they plug in, and where, you know, where they work, and when and when guys got to move, where they go, and how that goes. Uh, but unbelievable player, great Great talent, great work ethic, as he talked about, and and uh, and a super nice guy. I mean, uh, I've always appreciated like the time that I've gotten to spend with, talk to Tyrone Holmes, and uh, once again here today, no doubt about it. He's one of the great litmus tests for me because I think that Tyrone Holmes proves just how absolutely elite you have to be if you're going to play on the edge in the NFL. Because Tyrone Holmes is unbelievably talented, and if guys are that much, I mean, he he was he was on active rosters, but he's also on practice squads. To think about guys being significantly better than him, and a lot, of, like you said, is fit too. You you wonder if somebody would have given a shot to a little bit of an undersized speed rusher, what he could have done because he produced when he got into games. I mean, I think he no had a couple sacks yes, in did. NFL games, and, but. Man, it's just it's fascinating because you know, we know the story of guys like Colt Anderson, good friend of this show. You know, Colt was never never big enough or or whatever it takes to play in the NFL, but he was so good at special teams, so he found his niche. Chase Reynolds, so good at special teams, found his niche. Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp, kind of tweeners at linebacker who then worked their way and, and physically developed and blossomed into being good enough to play and start in games. But those guys have the prototype NFL linebacker size. It just shows you like how big, strong, and fast do you have to be to play on the edge. Yep. If Tyrone Holmes is not quite big, strong, and fast enough because he's so big, strong, and fast, it's a, it's amazing. But you know his in terms of his ability to to put pressure on the quarterback. I mean, this decade, if you're talking about the Big Sky Conference, he's the best in my mind. He, mm-hmm. He's the best 
true pass rusher the Big Sky has seen. Zach Wagaman had more sacks at Montana. Brad Daly and, and Caleb Scharbeis had comparable numbers, and they won the Buck Buchanan Awards at Montana State. But in terms of pure physical dominance, and I also think that the fact that Tyron Holmes played a, a, in the old Grizz defense, he played out of position for the first three years of his career. And there's no question in my mind that Zach Wagaman was a great player, but he does he owes a lot of, of his accolades and his numbers to play next to Tonga Takai, Caleb Kidder, and, and Tyrone Holmes. Those three guys got Wagaman one-on-ones more often than, than you made. would have seen him anywhere else. Right, yeah. because those guys were so great. And then, But then to, to be a guy that, I mean, Tyrone Holmes bookended his career in such phenomenal fashion. He had four sacks against Idaho State as a true freshman. And everybody was thinking, man, who's this guy? This guy's the next great D-end for the Grizz. And then he was a, a very good player. I mean, he, he started the whole rest of his career, but he was in Wagaman's shadow, and he was he, he was not the, the premier featured edge guy until his senior year. But then to go out and have the second most sacks in a single season in the history of the University of Montana, which is also the second most sacks in the history of the Big Sky Conference, yeah. to go out like that, to, to, to have everybody saying, this guy has so much potential, but when are we going to see it? And then to show everybody your potential and go out on top like that, Pretty darn sweet. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, the the 2015 Grizz season was such a weird season because yeah. th- there, was so, there was so much going on with the program. The transit, yeah, I mean, it was a great question you asked. Transitioning from Mick Delaney to Bob Stitt, it, it's just, it's just a, a different deal. Yep. But then you have these holdovers who have the, kind of the old Grizz way of doing things in, in Leigh Suanoa and Ty Gregorak. And... There was just this weird chemistry or lack thereof between the offense and the defense, but that defense, I think, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how how history remembers them because that defense was dang good. Yeah, it was, and they they just they got put in a weird spot because this day and age of college football, if you have an offense like Bob Stitt's offense, where you're going to run 100 plays a game, you're going to go for it on fourth down in your own territory. You're going to put the defense in bad spots. You have to have a defensive scheme that goes with it. Montana tried to build that, and it failed with what they tried to do with their high-pressure blitzing scheme under Jason Seymour. It just didn't work. Which but, was after. Which was the year after. Yep. But those guys were trying to play Grizz-style defense yeah. with a offense that the school had not seen in a long time. And I, just, I hope they're remembered the way that they should because there was all sorts of dudes on that defense from Tyrone Holmes to... Kendrick Van Akron and Jeremiah Kose. I mean, that, that was a really, really good defense, and and he was the leader of it. He he was the number one producer on it. Uh, the, the North Dakota State game, the picture I have of him uh, that Brooks Nuanas took for Skyline Sports of Tyrone Holmes sacking Carson Wentz, it, it's one of yep. the great pictures that we have in our archives, and it's it's one that uh, that memory will always be very vivid in my mind, and, and that's something that uh, Tyrone Holmes has in his a feather in his cap for the rest of his life. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. 
Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. We, next week, will be unveiling the first of a podcast series entitled Grizz Greats The Coaching Tree. Specifically, the Montana men's basketball program. The uh, basketball program, starting with Judd Heathcote, really well, shoot, starting with George Dahlberg, you want to go all the way back, but in the modern sort of era of basketball, uh, all the way through to the present day with Travis DeCure, the coaches who have coached the University of Montana in the men's basketball program have uh, been very successful at the University of Montana and have gone on to be uh remarkably successful, especially in comparison with peer programs over time. Uh, you know, occasionally you have a guy or two guys from a program that, you know, go on and, and are, are outstanding coaches at, uh, you know, varying levels of basketball and so forth and so on. But taken as a whole, what coaches at the University of Montana have gone on to do uh, after their time at the University of Montana has been absolutely remarkable. And of course, the Grizzlies have been... Um, you know, one of the stalwart programs in the Big Sky Conference for several decades uh, as well. And so what we have done is interviewed every living former and one current college basketball coach at the University of Montana, nine of them, starting with Jim Brandenburg, he's the oldest living uh, coach from the from the Grizzlies, right on through Travis Secure, and we're going to release these as a series. These uh, episodes are somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour long, just conversations, discussions of what it was like coaching at the University of Montana at the time that these coaches were there, what they went on to do, where they went on to be. And Coulter, when you talk about some of the places that these coaches in some cases came from and in other cases went on to be, uh, it, it is. I mean, it's really remarkable. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was uh, incredibly entertaining, educational, interesting. Each guy is shares similarities, but also is distinctly different. I thought that you know, we, did, we did include Pat Kennedy in this series, and Pat Kennedy yep. is not part of the coaching tree, but I think that's what makes him so interesting. I think Pat Kennedy, I mean, first of all, I think Pat Kennedy gets a bad rap around Missoula because he was sort of here, and then he wasn't, and it was only a two-year deal, and Montana was not great when he was here. But and he wasn't a a, a quote lineage guy, not necessarily a Montana guy, but in the line that, that wasn't was, part of the family. Yeah, but yeah. I think that he gave some pretty good explanations as to why it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also his, I mean, his resume is pretty reputable. I mean, when you talk about DePaul and Florida State, I mean, he's he's he he certainly didn't come in, uh, you know, with an underwhelming uh, history and experience. He's like the opposite of all these right. guys. All these other guys were at Montana and then went on to great, th- like much. Um what do we say? More visible pastures, but well, in some cases they did. In some cases, I mean, Utah State may or may not be, Wyoming may or may not be, but the, you know, what Stu Morrill did as a coach at Montana, but also after he was at Montana, remarkable. Even if it wasn't, you know, high major or NBA, you know, professional type of coaching, they were all excellent coaches after the University of Montana. Almost, you know, 
almost without exception. My number one takeaway from listening to all these guys talk is how bad I wished I lived. I wish I was this age in Missoula, Montana, in like 1979. I mean, do you. I already do that, but yeah, they confirmed did. it for me big time. <laughs> I, I was just telling you off air. Last night I interviewed uh, Steve Okanuski, who's one of the guys we are inducting into the Montana Football Hall of Fame. Steve played at the University of Montana football um, in the late 60s and early yes. 70s and then went on to play in the NFL for about eight years. Uh, he played for the Bills, the Packers, and the St. Louis Cardinals. And Steve told me all sorts of stories about what Montana was like back then, too. And, man, just sounds like the greatest. You it know? still is the greatest, but... You know who's going to say that? Your grandson. Well, maybe. You know? He's going to say that about you. Yeah, maybe. Remember when you couldn't transport, where you actually had to talk on a phone? Yeah, we'll see. I think we opened Pandora's box, but that's a different... Uh, that's <laughs> a, different, a different day. That's a different for a different day. Um, but, I mean, I think that... I thought the one of the most fun parts about this podcast was y- you kind of get the inkling, especially after we really were rolling on these things, that these guys, because these guys are, a lot of these guys are still really close. Yes. I mean, Mike Montgomery and Travis DeKir still talk all the time. I think Blaine Taylor talks to everybody all the time, <laughs> right. and he will for all time. <laughs> but you could tell, though, that they had been talking to each other about this, you know, and they all kind of brought stories to the table about each other, about themselves. And it was just really cool because you hear about this coaching tree, but you, I mean, truly, you would be hard pressed to find a mid major school where coach after coach after coach after coach for 40 years had success at the school and then went on to have equal if not greater success at other places. Mm -hmm. Think about all the coaches from the Big Sky Conference in football that have moved up and done almost nothing. I mean, Mick Dennehy had marginal success at Utah State after leaving the Grizz. Joe Glenn had marginal, not really even, at Wyoming after leaving the Grizz. Bobby Houck had no success at UNLV. I mean, David is a Wyoming alum. Our producer just said in our headphone. I mean, Joe Glenn wasn't great at Wyoming. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's so often the jump's too big. But the fact, like Blaine Taylor's famous line, he always says, Montana basketball is like New York, New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Right. And I think that the fact is that these guys have, that the tree is so strong. And that Mike Montgomery, I mean, Judd Heathcote's the godfather, but Mike Montgomery is sort of, the king the of it all, right? He's yeah. the guy that's kept it right, all. He's right. the tie that binds it all together. And I, I think that's really cool. I mean, I, I I think it's very unique that, like we were talking off the top, Montana runs a lot of the same principles offensively as they've run forever. Yeah. I mean, it's an evolution of, like, Jim Brandenburg to Mike Montgomery to Stu Morrill. That offense is still in place that's in right. a lot of ways, and I think that that's very cool. Well, it's pretty remarkable, too, uh, you know, we talk about this in in light of the careers that some of these guys went on to have. But even coaches, you know, like, like Don Holst, for instance, he's the head coach of Montana for four years, didn't coach at, at the college level after he, uh, you know, was, was not renewed at the University of Montana for Pat Kennedy. And, and, and that's a very tough situation, I know, for him personally. And, and uh, you know, in retrospect, Maybe not the right move to make, given the way it went down. But also, over the course that he was here, first of all, they played at Sentinel Gym for a year while they were renovating Dahlberg Arena. Not great a scenario for that. And then his last year, 
They go on a run, and he goes to the tournament. I mean, Mike Montgomery didn't even go to the NCAA. So yeah. even in the four years that, that uh, you know, half the time for that Mike Montgomery was a coach, Don Holst had, uh, I think, a tremendously positive impact by and large. And circumstances are what they are. And over the course of 40 years, you know, it's never going to be sort of a perfect straight shooting, you know, lineage or whatever you want to call it. But especially at a place like, uh, you know, Montana. It's, it's absolutely as good as it gets. And to talk to the guys and hear the stories, and we also would be remiss to, to not also add, we have also included in this uh, Robin Selvig, who obviously is, is one of the greatest women's basketball coaches of all time, period, end of story, but also is, you know, the adjacent desk to, if you will, all of these coaches who came through. And he's, you know, a young coach and is a peer and a friend and having, you know, a good time will be in a coach with some of the, the you know the guys that were older the you know with, with Mike Montgomery and and uh, uh, Stu Morrill and on down the line but then also becomes the veteran coach that maybe is uh, you know able to answer some questions and give perspectives to new coaches as they come through and younger guys and so forth and so I thought our our conversation with with him was outstanding as well we also are going to include in this a lot of players uh, we're trying to get <coughs> players from every at least one, if not, but hopefully multiples, that played for each and every one of these coaches that are going to be included as sort of a secondary podcast release each week. So, again, our our, our thanks, our appreciation to uh, uh, Blackfoot for uh, helping us with this. They are uh, presenting this and they're, they're bringing it to everybody. So our thanks to them on this. But this is an exciting series. And, again, I think when you talk about guys who've gone on to coach, excuse me, in the NBA, in for the Olympic team, at high major basketball programs. Obviously, we didn't get a chance to talk with Judd Heathcote, but to win a national championship at the NCAA tournament that sort of kicked off this whole thing and is is a huge part, obviously, of the narrative of all this. And also the city of Missoula. I mean, a lot of this, you get a look at Western Montana, the University of Montana, and the city of Missoula in a relatively recent but still extended history, which is very, very cool. And there, I mean, there's certainly programs around the country that have comparable history and superior history in terms of the accomplishments of the basketball teams. But so many of the programs that you could compare in terms of the continuity that Montana has have been under the direction of one guy. Like you look at something like somewhere like Syracuse or somewhere like Duke, they, they have the identity and and the consistency because of Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim, respectively. I mean, those guys, they defined the program. But to, to maintain the consistency through the span of 10 different guys it is amazing. And the other thing that I gauged from interviewing all these guys was obviously just how simple everything used to be. But we've talked a lot about this when it comes to recruiting, especially football recruiting. There's, there's this preconceived almost... D- requirement that you have to recruit kids based on like prototypes. I'm never going to recruit a left tackle that's less than six foot five. I'm never going to recruit a guard that's less than six four. And sometimes you just pass by guys that I think that could play. And like the Don Holst story really resonated with me. I mean, he was a high school coach in Montana that was just bringing his teams to camps. And when they needed an assistant, they're like, well, that guy's been in our camps. He's a really good coach. We like him. Let's hire him. Right. That would never happen now. Right. right now, you have to be in the system. You've had to have done the whole thing. You have to have done the AAU or the community grad, college and the or grad whatever. assistant yeah. thing. And, you know, you had to cut your teeth here and there. And you had to make the commitment to go into college coaching. And then you have to grind through 
you know, the misery that is, you know, being the bottom of the totem pole in college coaching. And I, I just think that it was refreshing to hear just, you know, how simple it used to be. Like when Mike Montgomery took over for Jim Brandenburg in 1978, he was not only the head coach, but he was the director of basketball at UM. So he was like the guy who was making the decisions. Yes. So he he hires Robin Selvig and, and he only has one full-time assistant and just the simplicity of that, you know, just bouncing an idea off of one guy when you're drawing up what you want to do on offense. It's just awesome. And I, there's so, so much nostalgia attached to these things. I mean, talking about various eateries and watering holes around mm-hmm. town and mm-hmm. the memories these guys had of Missoula. And, you know, we, we made sure to mention, we made sure to ask every single one of them, if they met their wife in Missoula, how? And those stories are endlessly funny. It's it's a great. They're also somewhat truncated. <laughs> some like, yes, I did. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's classic. But I think that people will love this for so many different reasons. It's it's historical. It's interesting. You you will you will learn a lot. You will laugh a lot. You will really it, it will resonate with anybody that loves. History, sports, Grizz basketball, or otherwise. If you mm-hmm. love Montana, you will love this podcast series. Well, and and again, to have it in the first person with these guys are the ones who are telling us. You know, we we were as interested in this and continue to be, you know, as anybody. We were learning and and uh, and having a great time doing it. So again, our thanks to to every one of the coaches uh, who who took the time out to talk to us about this, and we're excited to uh, to release this starting next week. So we'll uh, we'll look for that. We will certainly continue to keep you updated, and we will on this show play a couple little snippets uh, throughout the course of, of this basketball season. We wanted to do it during the conference season, so it's kind of being released as we head towards Boise. Uh, and uh, But we will play you know a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there from each of these to give you a little flavor of it, and then of course we'll let you know uh, when uh, we release these. We're planning to do uh, the first one, Jim Brandenburg's Wednesday after the show, a week from the day, it'll be ready to go for you, and you can listen to it there. So uh, there you go. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll give you a couple more news and notes uh, around the state and around the country to wrap up the show. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Coulter, Jesse Owens was the uh, scout. Offensive scout team player of the year for the Montana Grizzlies football team this past year. Was he the Gatorade uh, player of the year high school? No, he was the class of offensive player of the year. Offensive player of the year. Okay, offensive player of the year. Uh, Has chosen to 
hang up his cleats for some basketball sneakers and leave the University of Montana for Montana State is going to go to the Cats and walk on for Danny Sprinkle to play basketball at Montana State. Um, this is very interesting. There's obviously a lot of aspects of this. Anytime you're going from one school to the other in state, people raise their eyebrows. Okay, that's fine. Changing sports, I understand in a certain respect. Like, uh, you know, if, if you decide that, I don't know, you, you, you kind of didn't maybe do you fall out of love with the sport that you thought you were into or whatever but the the scout player of the year almost invariably has gone on to be one of the stalwart players in the program at the University of Montana I imagine at Montana State as well so to have that is such a harbinger of what both the program thought of him and the performer that Jesse Owens was for the University of Montana uh you know on that scout team and so, even though it's not quote-unquote noticeable now, this is a significant loss for the Grizzly football team in what you would have expected potentially for that to be in the next couple of years. I mean, the last time Jesse Owens played in a live football game was in the, the Mondak. I guess he played the Mondak game and the East-West Shrine game, and, and he was the player, the best player in, in each of those yeah. contests. And I think that really got... Grizz followers and Grizz fans excited. But Jesse Owens came on this show right after he had signed with Montana, and he talked all about, with us, his love of basketball and, mm-hmm. how, and how it was a, a good recruiting job by the Grizz coaches to convince him to switch to football, but it seems as if that's where his heart lies. So it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out because it's a, it's a no-risk situation for Montana State. He's walking onto the basketball team. If it doesn't work out, maybe he goes back to the football team. Who knows? But it is a big loss for Montana. Oh, we'll talk more about this as we go uh, in the next couple of days. By the way, quickly, San Diego State's Rocky Long retiring. Brady Hoke has been hired for the Aztecs. Little football update with obviously a Montana tie with Bobby Hauk having been on Rocky Long staff for f- several years at SDSU. Boys and girls, until tomorrow, we wish you a pleasant good evening. Be well. We'll see you in 22 hours. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.